to the very small book of Philemon. So that's not Nehemiah. No, just for today. We'll step away from Nehemiah. We'll come back to it. But we want to look at the book of Philemon. You say, where is Philemon? It's after Titus. And where is Titus? It's after 2 Timothy. If you can find the book of Hebrews, it's just to the left of Hebrews. And none of that helps you cheat by looking to the person beside you. Maybe they know where to find this small book because it's only 25 verses. It is hard to find. Especially if a small print Bible, it's probably one page. So the book of Philemon, I don't have time to give you a bunch of background on it. I'll give you a tiny background. Uh, when Paul wrote from prison, his first uh, imprisonment there, um, when he wrote the book of Colossians, as we're covering on Wednesday, he also wrote Philemon. He wrote Philippians there as well. And Philemon was directly connected to the church there in Colossae and, and uh, very likely with Laodicea as well. So Paul wrote him, and he, he would have stood like if Paul would have asked, hey, stand if you got saved in this ministry, Philemon would have been one of those that stood. Um, you know, he had been radically saved and transformed, became a loving man, and we don't know much about what he was before, but uh, we know that he became a great asset to the body of Christ there in that part of the world. Uh, but I want to pick it up. Uh, by the way, if you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. It should be marked, um, but we can get one in your hands. Uh, Philemon only has one chapter, so starting with verse 4, Philemon, starting verse 4, I thank my God, making mention always of you in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you, uh, which is in you in Christ Jesus. I have that underlined in my Bible. The effective thing in us is in Christ Jesus. Verse 7, for we have great joy and consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. Let's pray again. Lord, we ask that your spirit would open our eyes Minister to us, and Lord, each and every one of us would be refreshed and filled with this joy that is mentioned here this morning. We desire to be effective in Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Now, it's on here. As I mentioned, uh, with this particular text, um, it's written to one man, Philemon. But it's written with the mindset of it's, it's to him, but for the whole body there, because it was to be read to everyone. And so as it's, as it's written to him, if Paul were to write something to me, it would be written to me, but it would be representative to also be written to you. And so we can understand that what God is saying to Philemon, he's saying to the whole churches there and Colossae and to Laodicea and to us here in Richmond. Um, this morning, if you're taking notes, I've titled uh, our time in the Word this morning, Effective in Jesus. And it's directly from verse 6 that, the, that our, the sharing of our faith might become effective, but it can only be effective if it's in the Lord. It's not going to ever be effective in you without the work of the Holy Spirit or within me without the Holy Spirit. We need the active work of the Holy Spirit to make it effective. 
And we want to look at just a couple of things uh, from this text, just a few verses this morning. And this is really just kind of underpinning our ministry Sunday, and you'll get a chance to uh, kind of see uh, our focus for the coming year. Uh, but our focus from the year always comes from the Scriptures. Uh, that we're not, we're not uh, building a ministry here to say, uh, how can we fill up the calendar? How can we kind of occupy people's time and really waste their time on a Wednesday night? How can we do something on Sunday mornings that is probably better than sitting at home reading the paper? Does anyone do that anymore? I don't know, but people used to. You know, what can we add to just kind of, I know people don't have enough on their plate. What can we add to busy their life with high school ministry or with children's ministry or uh, practicing for the Christmas play and all the kind of things that go on in the year? Uh, how about mission trips? We know people are just loaded with money. How about what can we do to have them also get together money to go on mission trips? And Paul says it all comes down to this, that the sharing of faith might be effective. That everything we're doing or should be doing should be bathed in prayer and should be a work of the Holy Spirit, that it should be effective in Jesus. And that's what we want to look at this morning. The first thing that I want to point your attention to is what starts out in the first couple of verses that we read. I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers. Uh, before we go any further, understand that prayer is always the underpinning of everything. It always starts with prayer. Paul begins here with prayer, uh, but even though we start everything with prayer and we, we met as ministry leaders and, and, and the team uh, earlier this week on Wednesday after the service, and we wanted to pray together, even though we need to pray, there's some things that uh, we need to have in mind. When we pray, if our prayers are coming from a place of love and faith, uh, then God is going to make that rather effective. Understand that we read and comprehend what Scripture is saying by the explanations and the composite view of all Scripture. Uh, so in other words, Scripture defines Scripture. You ever said, I don't know what this verse means. Is it in context? The Scripture defines Scripture. When Paul says in verse 5, hearing of your love and faith, which you have towards the Lord Jesus and towards all the saints, what Paul is saying here is when he hears of, your love, when he hears of their love and faith, we know what that means from the perspective of Jesus. It's packed in this statement. It's a testimony of right standing. When Paul says your love and faith, it's a testimony that they had a right standing, not just of an individual like Philemon, but of the church that's walking in obedience. The church that's walking in obedience will be a church that's known by love and faith. Amen? People should know us by love and faith. So Paul didn't have to explain what he meant by that. They understood what that meant, that they would be walking in obedience. Paul wrote in 1 Timothy 1.13, Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you heard from me, i.e. scriptural teaching, sound doctrine, sound words. And listen to what he says the rest of that uh, verse in 1 Timothy 1.13. In faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Same concept, right? That Paul says, as the word is taught, it must be taught, has to be taught week after week. But as the word is taught, it has to be received in faith and love. You have to have faith and you have to have love. We're faith in who? Not in me. Faith in God, in Jesus Christ, in the work of the Holy Spirit, and in love for God. But then when we have love for God, guess who we're going to have love for? 
all the people around us, the peers, those of us that are you know, kind of locked to terra firma, us. The characteristics of genuine love and faith um, is to be found in an individual, but also in the church family. So people would be able to say, you are a little, you're a little temple yourself, a little tabernacle of the Lord, right? Faith and love should be found in you, but it should be found, and here's the church, here's the steeple open inside, right? Find all the people. You remember that one, right? The faith and love should be found in there, too. That wasn't in my notes. Boom. Came from years back. I haven't even done it. That's so fun to do. You know, but, uh, had the little doors and all that stuff. Do you remember those things? But inside, it shouldn't be little fingers. It should be faith and love, right? Faith and love should be found in our hearts, but in this church, in the church family. And this is based on the apostles' teachings. It's based on Jesus' teachings. Tells us that believers are holding to faith through Christ and through grace alone and through communion with Christ in prayer. That's how we're holding on. That's how we're maintaining faith. That's how we're maintaining love. It's holding on to the Lord in prayer and in communion with him in prayer. Now, faith and love, they're not static, are they? They're not a static thing. You know that you are going to have to love a little different on Monday than maybe Tuesday. Your acts of love will look different at different times of the week, won't they? Sometimes they're acts of service. Sometimes they're acts of keeping our mouth quiet, right? Sometimes it, so acts of love, they're not static. They're not every single situation manifests itself the exact same way. No, there's going to be differences in how love is manifested. But it's always active, either in self-control or in pushing forward outside of our own comfort zone. It's active. It's moving. It's intentional. And faith and love, they are always to be growing. You might say, well, I don't feel... By the way, sometimes when you're growing, you may not even feel like you're growing because you're growing through trials. And believe it or not, God says, you're actually growing in the dark times and you didn't even know it. That's where faith grows, by the way. That's where your love for God grows, by the way. Uh, My friend Sam Nadler, I mentioned, you know, he comes here every year and ministers all over the world, I've, ever since he said this, it's stuck in my mind. He says, if you're not growing in love, you're not growing. If you're not growing in love, year by year, day by day, you're actually not growing. And, and faith is the same way. If you're not growing in faith, you're not growing. God wants us to be growing in both of these spiritual characteristics. As Galatians 3.11 reminds us, it says, the just shall live by faith, right? Live by faith. We don't, we don't like to live by faith. You know what we like to live by? X amount in the bank. Everything, all of our health is perfect. All the money's in the bank. And so much money we had, we don't need anything. We like no problems. I was riding in listening to the Christian radio station. It was talking about, uh, now you can say, Alexa, make my shower the perfect temperature. <laughs> I wanted to throw up. I'm like, I'm thinking, are we this self-absorbed now that... By the way, that never will give you peace. If you start to have everything, you can speak. Alexa, turn on the microwave. Alexa, tie my shoes. All these kind of things, right? Um, I don't think it'll do that, by the way, but that may be coming. But the Bible says the just will live by faith, right? Not by convenience. Not by everything is perfect. 
live by faith. Paul didn't say it was perfect in class. He said, but your love and faith is what you're known for. Your love and faith. It's to be perpetual in our life. It's to cause us to take new steps. Even when we don't want to take new steps, the Holy Spirit says, go anyway. You think it was easy for Abraham to leave Ur? No. Where is, go to the land, I'm going to show you. Where is that? You'll find out when you get there. But that's the way it is. God told Joshua, the way you're going, you've never gone before. God's going to take you places, he's going to take our church places we've never gone before. That'll be uncomfortable sometimes as a church. By the way, the septic's going to get fixed soon. We, we know that. That's a place we haven't been in a long time, so we're happy for it. You know, uh, kind of messes up how we have to arrange things today. But we've been able to go through these little journeys, and you've had them in your life, and they're going to continue. But a life of love and faith in us and in this church is never just some religious practice. That's just something. Well, I'm going to say a rosary. I'm going to do this. It's not just a religious practice. It's walking towards Jesus in Jesus together as saints and sons and daughters of God. Just as salvation was um, not a faith in what, but a faith in whom, right? Our faith is in a person, the person of Jesus Christ. And so our love and faith is directed to the author and finisher of our faith, but also to people. Just like our faith is in Jesus, who is God and man, he'll make that faith and love in him be manifested to people that we're going to touch and we're going to serve and we're going to help. The Greek word towards, where he says here, hearing of the faith which you have, verse 5, look, look back at your Bibles, hearing of the love and faith which you have toward the Lord, and here's the second part which tells me every single person is to be involved in ministry and toward the saints. Now, again, your ministry for a season might be just to minister to your aging parent at the house. And that might be all you're called to do. You might not be called to serve anywhere on this property for two full years, maybe five full years. But then that might change. <laughs> and oh, by the way, if you're there, you're called to a ministry of prayer for what's going on here and what's going on in other people's lives. Because he says your love and faith towards Jesus and towards the saints. Well, say, so I don't really have anything towards the saints. I just kind of show up and see them once in a blue moon. God wants to change that. This was the testimony, that it would be towards the Lord and towards the saints. It's towards the family of Christ. But the Greek word toward, it means to the advantage of, or at or nearby. Everything we should do to the, should be to the advantage of Jesus, and we should be at and nearby him. But it also should be to the advantage of one another, putting others before ourselves, and that we be at or nearby them. That, isn't that cool? That that's what the Greek means there. It has a deeper meaning that we would understand the word towards. In other words, our faith and love will be a blessing to Christ, but it will also be a blessing to the church body. It will bring us closer to him, but it will bring us closer to one another. We saw that Friday night at our Friday night fellowships. By the way, I told Twan he did such a good job that I didn't really need to preach today. He could just do it. But uh, anyway, that didn't happen, so here I am. But uh, just seeing the different locations and people serving, so uh, just out of love for one another, sharing testimonies, it's towards Christ, but it's also towards one another. Jesus said in John 13, 35, by this, all will know that you're really my disciples if you have love for one another. 
the world, you know, Tertullian, I mentioned this you know, back in December, they, they, he said that the early church, the Roman citizenry noticed that the early church loved one another. It blew their minds, that they actually cared for one another. A church that loves and obeys Christ will love one another, and that love is not only critical to the health of a church, family, and ministry, but it's a visible light to the world around us. Remember, that love is critical to our health. Don't you feel, don't you feel strengthened when, you, when you're really down and someone really still loves you and says, I believe in what you're doing, right? We need that, but the world sees that, and they're not used to they're all They're used to like, how can I climb over your shoulders to get a top, on top, right? It's a light to an unloving world. Which brings us to our next observation, the mission of every church under heaven here, and that is sharing the gospel. Paul says in verse 6, that the sharing of your faith may become effective. Paul said, no matter what, you cannot get to the place that you have only Bible studies and never have evangelism. You cannot get to the place that you are so inwardly focused that you have no care anymore. Well, I'm saved, and I'm doing great, and I want to find out, and I want to spend the next 16 months studying this one word when there's people that are still thirsty and dying and in darkness. So Paul says, no matter what, yes, you need to grow. We need Bible studies. We need fellowship. We need discipleship. We have all that for a reason, but it's all that he says that the sharing of your faith may become effective. Now, what's interesting is it was effective, but if we ever stop drawing near the Lord, we'll become ineffective. And we need to become more effective. Did you think you can become more effective in most things in your life? I know I can. I look at my the daily week or my schedule or my life, and I'm like, I could do better in this, I could do better. Now, I'm not talking about beating ourselves up. I'm just saying, Lord, help me to grow in these areas. I'm not talking about you know condemnation or anything like that. Just saying, I think, Lord, we could be more effective at this. And you can actually be really thankful for what already is taking place. I'm extremely thankful for all that God does here. And yet I know we've come a long way and we have a long ways to go because there's much more things that we can do effectively. But that effectiveness, as he says, the, the end of the verse is in Jesus Christ. And Christ actually allows us to get better. He doesn't instantaneously make the tree X size with X amount of fruit. It, it's a growth process, isn't it? Now, this verse is both a theological and a practical mouthful. That the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Paul expresses several God-given desires for his church in just a handful of words. Several things are, are manifest in the heart of God here. Uh, now, we share the faith internally. We share the faith internally through teaching, which I'm doing right now applying, serving, fellowship. This is the ministry of the Word via teaching, via preaching, and discipleship, relationships. That's sharing our faith among each other. You can share the faith among those that already have faith, right? It's the sharing of our faith. It's iron sharpening iron. It's talking out our faith. Every good thing, when he says that, Every good thing, well, that includes everything and everyone 
Christ has supplied within the church broadly, that includes Guatemala, India, Africa, China, Europe, everything God has supplied in the church, even things you're not aware of he supplied are in existence, right? Broadly, every good thing in the church, broadly, worldwide, but also corporately in smaller groups and then individually in you and me just by ourselves. So it also applies personally. See how that makes? So you have the global, then the local, then the personal, right? Global, local, personal. So when Paul says God supplied every good thing, here's how this works. Say, you might come in and you're kind of dry to sharing the gospel, but then you saw a testimony of a girl in Guatemala, and you're like, I've never met her. I've never even been to Guatemala. And all of a sudden, that inspired me to share my faith this week. Do you see how that good thing that was from somewhere else actually affects us here? Now, it was already in existence. We just didn't know about it, right? And the Holy Spirit brings all these things together. But he supplied us with what? Well, he supplied us with salvation. He supplied us with grace. Did you, did you need grace today? You made it here. Satan didn't want you here today. I can guarantee he didn't want you here. He didn't want me here. He didn't want you here. If you're watching online, he doesn't want you watching online. We're glad that you are. We need the supply of his grace. We need the supply of his salvation, his forgiveness. Not just forgiveness for all of our sins, but forgiveness tomorrow. And again, on Tuesday... Because some of us are going to mess up this coming week, aren't we? Some of us being all of us, right? His Holy Spirit, the supply of His Spirit, the Word, each other, the diversity, the different backgrounds, the gifts, the talents, the financial resources. Yes, we actually need money to make things happen. We had to give a free will offering for the tabernacle to be built the temple to be built, all these things, uh, a place to meet, a mind to learn, to be unified, all these are the things that, and we can go on and on, we can keep listing things that God has provided for us to be effective, for us to be effective in Christ Jesus. So that that effectiveness of Christ, which is in the Spirit of Christ, which is the Holy Spirit, is then the fuel for us to go out and share our faith to those that have yet to come to faith. And we can do that in a lot of different ways. We can do that when we rub elbows with people at work, drive it, you got to go to a meeting, and you and a coworker are stuck in the car, and you say, I'm going to heist the company. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you pray for opportunities. You pray, Lord, give me wisdom. Give me insight. How do I reach out to my family members? Oh, we're going to have to have lunch with them at Easter. We can't stand each other. How are we going to do this? You know, all that kind of stuff, right? Or they, maybe, hopefully they don't, hopefully they, they don't like you, but you love them, right? You know, that kind of thing. But all of this, Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19, 20, we can't forget. It's the, it's the mission of the church. It's still the mission of the church. I know that many churches now, they've come to the place, maybe they think the mission is entertainment for the body. We don't need to entertain you. You have your Netflix, right? You have your smartphones. You have your cable TV sets. You have all this kind of stuff. It is not the job of the church to entertain the saints, not the job of the church to teach you how to, uh, you know, do every single thing in life, teach you how to do needlepoint, teach you how to do this. Uh, those things are fun for fellowship. I'm not against all that stuff. 
Those are secondary ways if they're complementary to discipleship, but they're not the primary means. Amen? The primary means is the Word of God, prayer, and worship. Word of God, prayer, and worship, and then in the context of fellowship. But Jesus said, out of all that will come this. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations and all the counties and all the states, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them, here's where disciples comes in, teaching them to observe all things I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you to the end of the age. When we get to heaven, we meet Jesus face to face. Individually, as a church ministry, he's going to say, were you faithful to the command? What command? The command. What command? Go, therefore, and make disciples. Now, the other stuff's all important. Discipling each other, encouraging another, encouraging one another, but all of that is that the church would be locked arms. Every army that's ever won in the history of the world had a singular mission. Everyone understood the mission. The mission was not, how do we make the church the most comfortable, casual, coolest, hippest, most amazing setting we have ever seen in the history of the world? Jesus would say, where can you show me the verse that you came up with that philosophy? Seriously. Jesus, can you show me the verse where you arrived at that philosophy? Jesus said, I was there with the early church. I saw them. I saw how they met in house churches. I saw what they did. I saw how they lived. Where did you get this idea? Well, we got it from Hollywood. Or we got it from Madison Avenue. Or we got it from commercials. Now, I like that our seats are padded. I like that we have you know, a screen for showing video and stuff. Those are nice things, but they're not the primary. Amen? The primary is that we're all unified and growing in faith and love that we would be able to be a light and a witness to those that are still in darkness. And then the last thing, and it's so important because the mission's tough. The mission will drain you. I'm here to tell you, I, if it, one of the reasons ministry, I can show you how many people are now serving. If I did not have the people serving that are serving with me, I would not have made it this far. There's no doubt in my mind. I want to make it to 60. This is my last year in my 40s. I, I do. And you probably want to make it to 60 or 70 or 80 or whatever else it is, but you need other people, don't you? And so because the mission is hard, we have to have love and faith. We have to go share our faith, and that's the whole reason this ministry is here. It's not here for any other reason but that we grow in the Word and we take it out. Grow, take it out. Grow, take it out. But in that process, we need to refresh one another, right? You ever worked really hard and you came home and you were glad? Dinner looked awesome. Didn't it kind of like say, wow, I can kind of forget about the day now. That lasagna looks amazing. And the sensory of the taste buds kind of melt everything. And, and, it's, and it, it's refreshing. You ever be glad uh, you're, you've worked really hard? Maybe it's ministry-wise. Maybe it was with the kids. Maybe the family's finally done with three weeks of the flu or whatever else it is in your life. And you say... It's nice to just lay on the couch with my socks and just hold my kids and just breathe in life. That's refreshing, isn't it? And you get a chance to do that. It's a, God gave you a rainy Sunday to rest this afternoon and do, and do some of that. But we need that refreshing. Why? So we can stay there forever on the couch? No. So we can go right back to the beginning. Faith, love, sharing our faith, but then we need times to rest and refresh, recharge, and start the process all over again. But as we do that process all over again individually as a church, 
little by little, another person pops up that was saved and baptized. Another person pops up. Another person pops up. But we need to refresh each other along the way. And this is what we're closing with here in verse 7. For we have great joy and consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. Philemon was an example to all of us that he refreshed others there in the church. We need to all have that Philemon attitude. He says, we have great joy in your love. Great joy, joy and love. Love completes the circle again of this encouragement to the Philemon church, or, or Philemon and the church. Uh, but, but joy is the net result. It's the love and faith that births the joy. Like if you pursue happiness, you'll never find it, but if you pursue holiness, you'll find happiness. You'll find joy. Do you want joy in your life? You don't have to raise your hand because I'm, I'm believing you probably do. I'm believing one of the reasons you're here today is you want joy in your life. I know we want it in the church here. I know I want joy even if you don't want joy, but I believe you do. The better news is that Jesus wants you to have joy. Isn't that great? He wants you to have joy more than we want to have joy. John 15, 11, Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. There's times where my joy has been full, and there's times when it's been on dead empty. How about you? Uh, pastors have that? <laughs> we have it plenty, right. Uh, doesn't mean life will always be smooth and easy, but it means that we can experience joy in the midst of it all. Life's not always smooth and easy. Far from it. If the serving of Christ, the laboring and the working in ministry for and unto him and towards one another and in genuine care for the world around us, uh, if that is done in the love of the Lord, we will find joy. We will, and we'll actually want that joy to be given to our brothers and sisters. We don't look at them and say, well, as long as I have it, I don't really care if you have it. You don't think that way, do you? You don't think, well, I just want to be at peace. I really don't care if the person sitting beside me in the chairs right now is at peace because I just care about my peace. They're going to have to find their own. No, but we, we're here to refresh one another. When the personal becomes corporate and collective, it becomes a force multiplier. When that circle of love and that desire that others would have this refreshing, others would have this joy, and we'll see that in our study of the book of Nehemiah. If only Nehemiah loved the city and loved the people, the walls would never have been rebuilt. If Nehemiah was the only one that cared that the city would be rebuilt and that the saints in distress would come to find joy and rest again, it would never have been accomplished. But when the saints, plural, look at the verse. He says that you have refreshed the hearts of the saint or saints? Saints, plural, plural, collective. He says more people have come to be refreshed through this when they've come together in love. There's real joy as as God does work after work, after work of completion. God's in the work of completing things. I love the two-word sentence in 2 Corinthians 13, 11. Paul writes these words. It's, it's, uh, it's in the whole verse, but one line in the verse is two words. Paul says, be complete, period. Look it up in your Bibles. 
2 Corinthians 13, 11. Be complete. I have it underlined. I love that. Simp- be complete. Paul, what, what do you mean, be complete? Be complete. Do you want to become complete? Do you ever feel not complete, not whole? Your family, the church. By the way, none of us are really complete. Now, we're complete in our salvation, but God's still doing a completing work in us. But he said, notice he said, become complete. So there's this process we're continuing to go through. God can do it even if we've been running around in circles for years. You ever feel like you're in circles in certain areas? God can do it. He can bring completion even if we've been walking like the wilderness back and forth in the same pattern. He can say, no, 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 I'm finally going to take you out of that pattern and make you complete. That was the case of Jerusalem, nearly 100 years of dead end. Nearly 100 years. God can do it. It'll take patience. It'll take perseverance. It'll take the work of his spirit. Um, But what happens is the rest of the verse, Paul says become complete. The rest of that same verse, 2 Corinthians 13, 11. If you're you're a note taker, write it down. If you're not a note taker, it's a good thing to become one. 2 Corinthians 13, 11, the rest of the verse, he says, be complete. Now he says this, be of good comfort. This does not mean stay on the couch forever. Be of good comfort, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. What Paul is saying, see, love, love will cover a multitude of sins, failures, shortcomings, honest mistakes. Don't beat people up over honest mistakes. Mine, yours, and everyone else. See if any of these sound familiar. I didn't get an email. Their kids need more discipline. I've served way more than that person. What a really bad idea. Why another meeting? Why didn't we have a meeting? That's why I'm withholding my tithe and offering. The music was too loud. The music needs to be louder. Someone didn't say hi. Someone keeps saying hi. Nobody saved saved me a slice of that cake. That happens around here, by the way. I don't like how they said that. Pastor Tim said Mark when I think he should have said Luke, and on and on it goes, right? We're all guilty in times of these thoughts that are not love and patience at all. And they're never going to bring refreshing, and they're never going to bring peace, and they're never going to bring joy. Philemon understood it. Paul understood it. But love is patient. Love is kind. Love is long-suffering. Love does not seek its own. Stop looking at everything through the lens of ourself. Look at it through the lens of Jesus. He died on a, a cross. He's like, look, I laid down my life, not focused on it. Look at it through the lens of Christ. Love will look past things and forgive. It'll lend a hand and move forward for the name of Christ and for the sake of others. Love sees flaws, but it isn't soured by flaws. Did you hear that? Love sees... I notice flaws. You notice flaws. You could nitpick me to death if you want. You can ride home today and criticize this, that, and the other. You can do it. Or you can say, I look past flaws. They don't sour us. Does your spouse have any flaws? Don't say it right now. Just uh, <laughs> Are you able to look past them? Well, you're still married. You probably are, right? And you can, you're not soured by those, or you shouldn't be. 
love will help us to keep committed to them as we are committed to Christ. I love this quote from G.K. Chesterton. He said, love is not blind. That is the last thing it is. Love is bound. And the more it is bound, the less it is blind. See, the less it is blind, it actually will start to see more needs. Love is not blind. It sees 360 views. It sees flaws and overlooks them anyway. It sees, you know what love sees? It sees needs and opportunities when everybody else sees complaints and problems. It sees needs and opportunities. It sees opportunities more than it sees flaws and, oh, that's just a waste of my time. The result, if we die to self and live for him, joy and lives refreshed. Joy and lives refreshed. If we die to ourselves, the way that you'll be refreshed is to refresh others. He who waters others, himself will be watered. Book of Proverbs. Ours and so many lives are in need of renewal. Amen? That's what ministry is all about. Joy is a hopeful expectation, but refreshed here, the word refreshed, the Greek here, it means to rest, to recover, to collect one's strength. Don't you want to help everyone in this room collect their strength? To recover? To make a full recovery? whatever it is in their life. Who doesn't need that in their lives? Who doesn't need to collect their strength and be recovered? That's what Jesus was in the recovering business for all of us. The Lord wants to do that with an overflow of joy in you and in me and in all who come to Jesus as by his grace and the work of his spirit is effective in us in ministry in and through him. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you again for this time this morning. Lord, I pray that you would use these passages, not just for today, but Lord, we'll be reminded as we go through this year that people would see the faith and love you placed in us and we'll grow in that faith and love. That we'll remember we're not in church or we're not in a church or we're not in the body of Christ, we're not in the family of Christ to do church, but to share ministry. And Lord, lastly, Lord, lastly, that we would be refreshed by you. It's in Jesus' name.